the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. When the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce of the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. There is a kind of abject terror in today's readings, isn't there? They are readings that are gathered from times in the history of the ancient people of God where violence ruled all. They were times in the time of Isaiah when Israel had been taken into captivity in Babylon. And so the image of the vineyard on the hill as God's planting that the hedges had been torn down and it had been ravaged by wild animals and people had come by and plucked off its fruit was very vivid for the people of God in that context. In Jesus' world and in Matthew's world, a few decades after Jesus, the notion of the absentee landlord loomed large amongst people who lived on the ground, often in difficult conditions. In the ancient Holy Land, they knew this tendency of landowners to lease their properties to others to take care of them, and then the landowners would come back and they would, they would take the fruits of their labors. So at one level, this is a story that would have been familiar amongst the people 
as a story not of injustice, but actually of justice. The landowners didn't deserve any better than to have their employees ravaged violently for the injustice that they brought to the land and to the people of the land. But Matthew takes this and turns it into a spiritual teaching. And maybe Jesus did too, we don't know for sure. But in typical rabbinical fashion, Jesus is taking a very vivid, lived, harsh reality and turning it into a spiritual teaching. And it is a spiritual teaching not for the unfaithful of Matthew's community, but for the faithful. It's the Pharisees and scribes who were the faithful ones of memory at the time and the righteous ones, not the unrighteous. And so that should terrify you because you're here, O oh, faithful ones on a Sunday morning, and we are about to perform a baptism for beautiful new life among us, Rebecca. And here Jesus is challenging the faithful with this story. This story that, of course, is meant to be related to the story of God's people, the story of the prophets who have come who have come to gather the fruits of the kingdom and have been told by the authorities of their age that they don't belong there and in fact some have been killed and attacked with violence. A story as well for Jesus himself, the story of the son, you can see it is a premonition of what is yet to come in the narrative of Matthew's gospel that Jesus himself, as God, has come to the vineyard to lay claim not to what belongs to the religious authorities, but what belongs to God. And the religious authorities will be jealous of that claim and will participate in the passion where the son is thrown out of the vineyard and is crucified. That image of the passion that Jesus is put out of the city and is crucified by the foreign occupying power of the day. The message that Matthew wants to impart to the faithful of his day and to us so many centuries later may have something to do with the conceit that we all have about ownership. And that conceit is that we actually own anything at all. Think about that for a moment. Think about how much of our society relies on the notion of ownership. It's what creates stability. It's what drives the engine of so much of our economy, and yet Jesus is reminding the religious authorities that though they have laid claim to this tradition, to the words that they have inherited, to the scriptures that they revere, Jesus is pointing out to them they own none of it. 
Just last week, we remembered Francis of Assisi, and you remember that one of the radical vows he took and lived into was the vow of poverty. Not to be heroic or even romantic, but to embrace the reality that we are all born with nothing and we all leave this life with nothing. So what do we really own? Nothing. We have contracts and we have law, of course, in the society, but those are all human constructs designed to, we hope, contain and hold the things that we hold dear, but the spiritual reality is we are all impoverished and vulnerable. And what we think we have does not actually belong to us. It belongs to someone else. That is a radical teaching for us and all the ways in our hearts and lives that we lay claim of possession on anyone or anything at all, right? Not easy stuff. It's also a message to serve us as Church of Our Savior in this time of rapid change and adaptation and doubt and uncertainty. This time of year sometimes comes with a little bit of dread as your vestry and I sit down and we start to talk about budgets and we start to open up spreadsheets and we start to think about giving and how we will appeal to people to support the life of this community for the coming year. And all of that is important but the spiritual caution for us this day is to remember this is not our church. Our language betrays us. This is not our church. This is akin to the vineyard. And the vineyard is not planted by us or by our spiritual ancestors. The vineyard is planted by God and belongs not to us, but to God. We are, at best, tenants, you might say. This vineyard, or this branch of the vine, if you like, was handed to us so that we could help care for it and then prepare to hand it to those who have yet to come in. During World War II, the Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, had a phrase for this that went something like this. He said, the church is the only organization in the world that exists not for itself, but rather for those who have yet to darken its doors. And we could take that teaching even one step further in light of today's gospel and to remind ourselves that this organization does not exist for us or any human being, but exists for God and God's purpose. What we tend belongs to God. And what we have, even precious, beautiful new life, is ultimately God's, not ours, to possess.
so we are called to a different kind of ethic beyond the control and the possessiveness that comes with ownership. That's what Jesus is pointing us to in today's teaching. It's an ethic that the psalmist understood when again praying for the vineyard in today's psalm. To appeal first and foremost to the owner of the vineyard for help and support. So our first task in this season of what we might call stewardship, where we are called to care for the things that we value, is to pray, to offer our hearts and our lives back to God. Everything that we have the conceit of ownership around, to open our hands and let that go back to the true owner, the true giver of what we have, the true giver of life itself, God. God is the only one who understands what is most needed by the vine at this time. God is the only one who understands our truest selves. God is the only one who knows most what we need. And if you heard that opening prayer today in our service, it was a prayer recognizing that God knows our desires even better than we know them and is offering more than we can ask for. The practice of prayer is designed to get us back into touch with that radical trust that we are called to when we recognize that we are born into this life with nothing and we leave this life with nothing. we have one task in front of us beyond prayer and that is to love because that is the one gift that we can't give away or lay ownership to think about that our call as a community this branch of the vineyard is before us at this time of year. And I invite you to pray into that this week. Open your hearts, open your eyes and your ears, and listen for what God is asking us each to do and us together as a community. That is the path to our renewal. And that is the promise that Jesus offers, the promise of new life. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 
1907, search for us online or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.